There is hope for the hopeless. If Jesus Christ is not the center of your life, you are living in a hopeless situation. But it doesn't have to be that way. The decision to end the hopeless situations of life is entirely yours. The sense of hopelessness arises in a myriad of ways. Do you feel like you're in a hopeless situation? It could include your career, your health, your marriage, your children, your finances, spiritual bondage, physical addictions, your future in general, etc. But be sure there is powerful hope for you, literally and completely out of this world support that will transform your darkest day into the amazing best day of your life. The magnificent ministry of hope that is in Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is proclaimed in Isaiah 61, 1-3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Would you like beauty for ashes? Today is the day of salvation. Click on to Further with Jesus for immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Do it now, and Romans 15.13 is yours. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Man said, Preposterous! The Bible is preposterous! There is simply no God. Now the record. The following email came from Bill. I have long thought that the space program for which our government has spent hundreds of billions of dollars is nothing more than the same wicked spirit of sinful man attempting to reach heaven, just like the Tower of Babel. What do you think? God bless you for your great and insightful website, Bill. Thank you, Bill, for your insight and question. The comparison of the Tower of Babel to carnal man's self-delusion, which in many minds extends to the space program, does in fact have correlation. To those who may be unfamiliar with the Tower of Babel, God had directed Adam and Noah to spread out and populate the whole face of the earth and to seek him alone for all of life's direction. But the vast numbers of unregenerated had another idea. The story of the Tower of Babel is found in Genesis 11, 1-9. And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. 
Nimrod, the evil leader at Babel, led the people in rebellion against the will of God. They sought their own ways, and they sought their own gods. Babel means confusion, and from it comes the word babbling. For scientific and archaeological information that certifies the event at Babel, click on to Tower of Babel. Q&A. Bastardry. Languages. Babel. Dragons. Why is the black man black and the white man white? Babylon, the great city. Pseudoscience has been in an all-out attack on the words of the living God, carrying the devil's water, pushing willingly ignorant men to humanism, evolution, and atheism. They find themselves in a constant state of flux. It is regularly reported here that man's truth of yesterday is debunked by his truth of today. And his truth of today will be debunked by his truth of tomorrow. On the other hand, God's truth never changes. For that is simply the nature of truth. Pseudoscience is constantly shocked by the new discoveries and revelations that regularly set them on their ear. Each time new information is uncovered that destroys their hypothesis of life, they begin a frantic dance to nullify the damage. But it's okay because they're expected to be wrong on occasion, something like the weatherman. Have you ever heard of junk DNA? The evolutionary position is, and soon to be, was, that junk DNA is an excellent example of evolution. They maintain the vast areas of your DNA are basically junk, and a result of billions of years of deadly random mutations. Well, not anymore. The following excerpts are from Science News under the heading, Genome 2.0, Mountains of New Data Are Changing Old Views. Researchers slowly realized, however, that genes occupy only 1.5% of the genome. The other 98.5% dubbed junk DNA was regarded as useless scraps left over from billions of years of random genetic mutations. As geneticist knowledge progressed, this basic picture remained largely unquestioned. At one time, people said, why even bother to sequence the whole genome? Why not just sequence the protein coding part? Says Aninya Duda, a geneticist at the University of Virginia in Charlesville. Closer examination of the full human genome is now causing scientists to return to some questions they thought they had settled. For one, they're revisiting the very notion of what a gene is. Rather than being distinct segments of code amid otherwise empty sketches of DNA like houses along a barren country road, single genes are proving to be fragmented, intertwined with other genes, and scattered across the whole genome. Even more surprisingly, the junk DNA may not be junk after all. Most of this supposedly useless DNA now appears to produce transcripts of its genetic code, boosting the raw information output of the genome to about 62 times what genes alone would produce. End of quote. Man's truth of yesterday is on its ear again, furthermore, from the article. What we thought was important before was really just the tip of the iceberg, says Hugh Gee of the Whitehead Institute for Biomedical Research in Cambridge, Massachusetts. End of quote. Science News continues. While the number of genes isn't much different in roundworms and people, the human genome is 30 times the size of the roundworms. People have a much larger quantity of DNA beyond what codes for proteins. Since much of this junk DNA is being transcribed into RNA, perhaps it's responsible for much of the complexity of human bodies and brains. In fact, organisms simpler than roundworms, such as a single-celled bacteria, carry little non-coding DNA that may have no regulatory RNA at all. End of quote. Evolutionists 
need time to rework their model of life. It looks like it's time to dance. Another proof of evolutionists have been built upon a concept known as vestigial organs. The following passages from Guts and Manson feature article, Vestigials. Now, the record. A vestigial organ is an evolutionary assumption that certain organs in the human body were once needed. But the process of evolution has made these particular organs useless. As late as 1960, textbooks listed over 200 vestigial structures in the human body, including the appendix, thyroid, fumatory glands, tonsils, and more. Today's science has reduced the list of 200 useless vestigial organs to a big fat zero. In spite of this knowledge, many evolutionists have failed to upgrade their unbelief and continue to cling and expound on vestigial organs. It is true that one can continue to live without some of the so-called vestigial organs, just like one can continue to live with only one eye or one foot, etc. But the quality of life is much better with all body parts functioning well. For example, Commonly removed organs such as tonsils in the appendix, which were deemed as useless, are now known to have very real value. It's now known that the appendix is a gland that removes poisons from the body, and the tonsils also remove poisons and secrete needed iodine into the system. Regarding the concept of vestigial organs and their being a part of lack of use due to the evolutionary cycle, Scott Hughes, author of the book The Collapse of Evolution, had this to say. The fatal flaw in the argument from vestigial organs is exposed by modern genetics. Basically, the concept of vestigial organs represents a return to Lamarckism, where the development or loss of structure is based upon need. It is now known, however, that organs can only be altered by a genetic alteration in the chromosomes, or DNA. The use or disuse of organ has no effect whatsoever on subsequent generations. There are no vestigial organs in the human body. Every organ with a place, every organ with a purpose. End of quote. Vestigials. Associated Press published a story on Friday, October 5th, 2007 on a study published by the surgeons and immunologists at Duke University Medical School. Excerpts follow. Some scientists think they have figured out the real job of the troublesome and seemingly useless Appendix. It produces and protects good germs for your gut. That's the theory from surgeons and immunologists at Duke University Medical School, published online in a scientific journal this week. The function of the appendix seems related to the massive amount of bacteria populating the human digestive system, according to the study in a journal of theoretical biology. There are more bacteria than human cells in the typical body. Most of it is good and helps digest food. But sometimes the flora of bacteria in the intestines die or are purged. Diseases such as cholera or amoebic dysentery would clear the gut of useful bacteria. The appendix job is to reboot the digestive system in that case. The appendix acts as a good safe house for bacteria, says Duke surgery professor Bill Parker, a study co-author. Location just below the normal one-way flow of food and germs in the large intestines, is a sort of gut cul-de-sac. Help support the theory, he said, end of quote. It's time to dance. Another shock to pseudoscience was the relatively recent discovery of soft tissue in fossilized dinosaur bones and soft bone marrow in fossilized frog bones. 
fossilized bones, tens of millions of years old, how could they find soft tissue? It never dawned on them that these bones are just thousands of years old. Their frantic dance began as they attempted to redefine the parameters of fossilization. Evolution's billions of years old Earth and universe has been solidly trounced by young Earth discoveries, yet they continue to hide their eyes. Unregenerated men want to be rid of the concept of God in the Bible and its restrictions. They will continually make their own gods of whatever sort they may be, and when obviously wrong or publicly discredited, they simply dance. Brother Bill is certainly aware that many astrophysicists are obsessed with finding water on Mars or the moon, the proverbial primordial soup which evolution claims life evolved, as though this would validate their belief. It is an exercise in futility. Many are simply building their own version of the Tower of Babel, but as in the original, the end result will be confusion and destruction. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Man said, preposterous, the Bible is preposterous. There is simply no God. Now you have the record.